FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on The Breakfast Show, 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout-out to all those listening in Hobart, Tasmania on 87.6. Big old transmitter up there on top of the mountain. Orbost, Victoria on 88.0. I believe that's one of our original transmitters right there. And Turner's Beach, also in Tasmania on 87.0. Eight. If you're from one of those locations, listening to one of those transmitters, send us a text message, give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? What am I thankful for this morning? Well, I'm thankful for food. Like, I'm looking forward today to eating amazing food. I, Isn't this what you're thankful for every day? Don't we have a rule that you have to be thankful for? Yeah, but for I, I haven't done it in a while, and, and particularly today, uh, because, you know, I... I am surrounded by lovely, amazing people in my working environment and, you know, in terms of my friends and some people saw I'm, like, getting around in my moon boot and they were like, hey, Lawson, do you want to, you, you can drive, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, come over to our place for lunch and we'll cook food for you. And I'm like, yes. So that means I'm looking forward to going and eating amazing Asian, Asian I think food I want for lunch your job. that I don't have to cook. I think I want your job. I mean, yeah, you can. I think. You, I think if if you're a listener today, I think you should apply for Lawson's job. It sounds like <laughs> it is the job. There are such benefits. Just you know, go for it right the now. The only draw is that you his, might break your ankle. While he's got his broken ankle, just uh, put your bid in there and say, <laughs> "Look, Lawson can't really fulfil his job. I can do this." <laughs> you never know. You might sneak it in there. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's get swimming into this day and see if you can do a swimming job of answering the quiz question. Is it about swimming? No. That's disappointing. No. Yeah. I really thought it would be about swimming. Uh, there's not many swimming stories in the Bible. There's not. I think I get the impression that Israelite people back in the day didn't swim very they, they much. Weren't, they weren't into it. It wasn't a big thing. Oh, like, God. They lived in the mountains, not down by the coast. In Maybe the Philistines. In fact, thing. if we look at stories of people... Within water, I would say like 50% of them are they're being afraid that they're going to drown. Or they're standing on the bottom. Yes, of course. So you have some people that are getting baptised. Mm-hmm. They're standing on the bottom. So yeah, that's, that's positive. Right. That's positive. You've got people walking through the Red Sea. They're afraid of being drowned, I think. Yeah. Uh, you've Peter got, falling you've into the Peter storm. F- He's, a, he's afraid he to be drowned. Jonah was afraid to be drowned. Uh, you've got Paul in the shipwreck and all the people in it were afraid of being drowned. Yeah, that's right. Is there a positive story about swimming anywhere in the Bible? I don't I don't believe. Maybe this is something the ancients didn't do. They're just like, look, water, scary. We're good. If you get a time machine, Lawson, go back there and take them a surfboard. Maybe that's why we, as, as a nation in Australia, are so competitive at swimming. Because we've thrown off the shackles of historical bias against swimming. And we're just like, oh, we'll just get into it. And that's why we win. I wonder if we've got an archaeologist listening this morning. Can you tell us, did people in the ancient world swim? We like, know like the obviously they swam, but like, yeah. you know, where and when and, and why? why? Yeah, that's a big question. But hey, speaking of where, when and why, we have a question for the quiz. And it is a multiple choice. So... Who of these four is not mentioned by name in Hebrews chapter 11? Abraham, 
Barak, Jephthah, or Joshua? 0491-064-669. Abraham, Barak, Jephthah, or Joshua? Which of these are not mentioned by name in Hebrews chapter 11? To get the answer correct, you go in the draw to win our KJV Bible with the Mark Finley Study Helps amazing Bible, which we'll give to you absolutely for free, provided you win the draw, provided you enter the draw, provided you answer the questions correctly. But again, that number is 0491-064-669. Who is not mentioned in Hebrews 11? Abraham, Barak, Jephthah, or Joshua? Okay, let's have some positively different news. Positively different news, Lyle. I have the best news. Okay. The best, the most amazing, incredible story. I'm not sure you do. I'm thinking I might have a better... About how a hero stepped up... Okay, I don't have a story about a hero. ...to save someone that they know... Who was having a heart attack? Oh, heart attack. Okay, I can't. Okay, this that. is an amazing story about a cat. Okay, I can beat that. So this cat, this well, let's start with this woman. She is sleeping. Her name's Sam. Slam, Sam is sleeping. It's four thirty in the morning, and then all of a sudden, she feels a pressure on her chest and meowing in her ear, and she's like, "What's going on here? What, what what's going on?" Like, she's sitting there. She's like, my cat's never done this before. It's definitely not a lap cat. My my little cat just gets around, does its thing. Anyways, Sam then wakes up and realizes that she can't move. Not only can she not move, she has shooting pain up her arm. And her cat is on top of her chest trying to wake her up. And she's there and she's looking around. She's like, wait, what's going on? And then she starts to call out to other people in the house who then pick her up and take her to hospital. And it turns out she was having a heart attack. She did have a heart attack. She was having a heart attack in her sleep. Mm -hmm. And she was saved by her cat who woke her up. I wonder whether she was having a heart attack because she had toxoplasmosis. No, Lyle, no. This is, this is a good story about how a cat saved someone. We need to... Okay, because we've got cat lovers out there who Lyle is all too ready to... <laughs> to come after you guys. To just, to just dunk on and, like, what, just make fun of cats. But, you like, I didn't seek this story. It just came up, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, if you replace the cat with a dog who, like... It'd be, Un- be a great dog story. Uncharacteristically goes you should up. Have changed the cat to a dog in the no, story, and there cat. would have been a positive story. We need to story. report the truth, La. We need to report the truth. Who uncharacteristically got their owner to wake up at four o'clock in the morning whilst they were having a heart attack? It is actually fascinating. And it saved is their life. I am actually really, really interested by this story to try and understand. What was going on here? Was this something random the cat did? It doesn't seem. Was this something supernatural where God intervened and chose mm. to use a cat? Or did the cat have some kind of sense? Something's going wrong. I don't know what's going wrong. I've got to do something and just did something. Well, reading in the story, there's different hypotheses that are all along those lines, but no definite answer. Yes, all because the- you can't ask the cat. That's right. All that we know is that the cat, you know, took action. Did it. And did this amazing thing. And as a result, this lady, Sam, is not dead. Okay, that is a positive news story, uh, that this lady, Sam, is not dead. Mm-hmm. 
That's a very positive story. And that this cat, this amazing, awesome feline, did an incredible work to save her, like its owner. I think we need to change the subject. We need to talk about something else more positive than... Okay, I've got another cats. story then. Okay, that is a positive story, V. Quayla. I've got another story. Still think she was having a heart attack from... I've, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I have another story here. Now, this is actually... This is kind of funny. This is an interesting contrast about how Scottish people up in the Scottish Highlands, uh, saving the Cairngorm National Park. So Cairngorm's National Park. It's a 1,748-square-mile forest. They're saving the National Park. They're looking after it during this period of drought in the UK. One sausage at a time. Oh, okay. So, essentially... They're saving it one sausage at a time. One sausage at a time. and, and saving the National Park with sausages. And that, that... You know they save National Parks with sausages right across Australia? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I probably shouldn't go into this. Story. Yeah, yeah, no, but I think they're using they the... They put 10 on them and throw them out of aeroplanes. Uh, well, they're... <laughs> they're, uh... The, the method that they're using to, to save the National Park by sausages is that, you know, there are lots and lots of deer right now. In fact, their national parks are overrun with deer. And, and too be, many deer. Too many deer. They've overpopulated. They've overpopulated, just like, you know. So there, see, there are native species that has overpopulated. That's right. Does happen from time to time. And as a result, because of the drought and, you know, as drought dries out the land and the native animals will just follow the water wherever it goes, they'll follow the grass wherever it goes, you know, because deer are a grazing animal, they eat grass. There is a need now because of overpopulation and because of a under uh, underproduction of food to <laughs> save the national park from the deer that are overrunning it. And so Scottish hunters have kicked into action in their conservation efforts mm-hmm. and they're saving the forest one sausage at a time because simultaneously then they have the ability to, you know, you know, make venison sausages. That's right. And all of the proceeds that are going, that are coming from making venison sausages, because there are professional hunters who are, you know, working for butchers and whatnot, but also non-professionals who are just getting out there because they're doing work yep. on behalf of the conservationists and the, and the national park. Yeah, we have a thing, a similar thing called Farmer Assist in Australia. Yeah, that's right. We're recreational hunters. You can sign up to it and any farmer who has a problem with um, either of overpopulation of mm. native species or population of invasive, invasive species... They can say, hey, look, we need people to come out and help us out. And so as a result, they've been making all these sausages and all the proceeds from the sausages or a large majority of the proceeds have been going back to the National Park staff so that they continue to serve the National Park and make it amazing. Like there's some pictures here of Cairngorms National Park. It's, you know, it's in the Scottish Highlands, this beautiful place of rolling mountains and trees and grass. Like it's, it's incredible. And it's like such an environment that I would love to go and see and spend time in, but not all yellow and obviously deer are majestic, amazing animals, but you know, not overrun with yes, deer. Yes, yes. And anything that over overpopulates becomes a problem. That's right. So I was like, wow, this is you know, we've got a we've got a kind of amazing stories on both sides here. We've seen that uh, that cats this is, this is, are saving Lawson, humans' lives. This is Lawson trying and, to placate me. And humans. <laughs> Humans are saving national, national parks. parks. So this is this is a really really interesting time in the animal world. And as part of the as part of the sad process that we need to follow here on this earth of being managers of this earth, we mm. are, are created here to be stewards of the earth. So. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have another question for our quiz. Okay. Who killed Cicera the Canaanite? Kind of got a bit of a bit of a taking of life theme that's that's happened so far. Yeah, this was a pretty hectic story too. <laughs> so, Ouch. Uh, <laughs> he did not have a nice death. No. Who killed Cicera the Canaanite? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You will go into the draw to win the KJV Bible with Mark Finley's study helps our amazing, expensive, awesome Bible that you can live for yourself or you can win for someone else. This prize has been incredibly popular, so make sure you get your answers in. But just also check challenge yourself this is a, a great story i think I, I i think this is an awesome story to read and that you should know again the question was who killed sisera the canaanite 0491 hey if you want to get some terms and conditions in regards to our quiz and our draw you can head to our website faithfm.com.au all right, so we're going to start off in Queensland here this morning who, uh, at a time when we have a national shortage of teachers, have decided to hand out fines to all of their unvaxxed teachers. Oh. So so this is interesting because, I mean, COVID's pretty much a thing of the past. We're all catching it right now. Mm-hmm. It's had its teeth pulled by the Omicron variant. Mm-hmm. Certainly there are people who are dying from it in aged care facilities and so forth, and that's a tragedy, but we need mm-hmm. to recognise that... Nobody's really concerned about this anymore. I, I know very few people that haven't had it. Mm. Occasionally I'll bump into somebody in the country who hasn't had it. But anyway, mm. be that as it may. Uh, Queensland took a different view, a different path during the pandemic. They didn't sack their teachers like happened in other states. Now, sacking the teachers, you can argue that from a public health perspective because you can argue that we are saving our students and we are saving our other teachers and making safe places uh, in an area that, you know, in, in a super spreader environment, mm. such as a school. So you can make that argument. Mm. But handing out fines, what's that actually accomplishing as far as public health goes? Yeah, kind of sounds like money gouging. Yes, it's going to, it's <laughs> going to make them $1.5 million. And it is purely punitive. Now, the way they're doing this, of course, is they are just docking it out of their pay. Mm-hmm. So you just get less pay for the how, next hour. How months. much is the fine per teacher? $1,620. Oof. Yeah, it's a decent fine. Uh, just simply being removed from their pay. And I'm just curious to know what medical advice this particular fine is based on. Yeah. Now, a lot of these teachers, oh, and the reason that this is important for us here at Faith FM is a lot of these teachers were teachers who cho- chose not to have the vaccine on moral grounds. Mm-hmm. They believed it was moral, on, on conscience grounds. That mm-hmm. it, was, it was a violation of their conscience, whatever that might be. Now, you may disagree with their conscience view. You may disagree with their conscience view. But the fact is you don't have a right to do that because everybody has their own conscience and has the right to live by the dictates of their own conscience. Mm-hmm. And this is just persecution. This is just punitive. This is just small-mindedness. And this kind of thing should not be happening, particularly in today's day and age. I mean, mm-hmm. a year ago you might have had some support for it, but by right now it's just being seen as being just nasty and mean. Mm. Now, we did talk say that we'd talk about blasphemy. Yeah. And so let's talk about Pakistan. A two-member bench of the Supreme Court of Pakistan on Tuesday granted bail to a Christian in a blasphemy cases 
with one of the justices justice coming out and expressing serious concern over the blatant misuse, misuse of the blasphemy yeah. law. Now, this is the first time that somebody has been accused under all three blasphemy laws who mm-hmm. has ever received bail. I, it's the second time somebody has ever received bail on a blasphemy case. Oh, wow. So you had Justice Quasi Fael Issa, um, who was expressing regret that accusations of blasphemy are so easily and commonly levelled. He, along with Justice Sayed Mansour Ali Shah, granted the release of Salamat Mancha Masi on a bond of 50,000 rupees. That is $230. Oof. He ordered that their ruling should that their ruling should be shared with all trial courts and high courts. So this is the Supreme Court. And so he has made this ruling and then he's passed it down and said, this is now the precedent. This is what all lower courts must abide mm. by. So that's, that's, that's very good. Okay, so Marcy, who uh, is 27 years old, he was arrested on February 13, 2021, from the Lahore's model town park after some Muslims overheard him and another Christian, Harun Avub, Marcy, reading the Bible in a park. Mm. And as a result of that, they were accused of ridiculing Islam. The problem is that Islam actually believes in a lot of the Bible. I think a lot of Muslim people don't really realize this, but they believe in the Torah. They believe in the Injil. Mm. There's a lot of the Bible that they believe in and believe that, and they teach that Muslims should read those holy books. Yeah. I, like, And there's a lot of... Islamic people that I know that advocate for that as well. Oh, absolutely. All of the Islamic people that I know are like, yeah, of course you should read the Bible. They're not so keen on the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, they're like, read it. Mm. Anyway, the judge went on to question the prosecution that the incident took place in a park, but no one, including the security guards, were witnesses to it. Mm-hmm. He also regretted the tendency of levelling accusations and said every other person gets up and starts accusing people of committing blasphemy. He says, this is not a petty crime. Its penalty is a life sentence. Mm. See, you know, you've got uh, law 295C specifies disrespect of Muhammad, the prophet Islam, that's punishable by death. Mm. 295B relates to the defiling of the Quran and is punishment by imprisonment for life and a fine. 295A covers deliberate and malicious acts intended to outrage religious feelings and that's punishable by up to 10 years in prison and a fine. He also noted that he'd never heard of a Christian filing a blasphemy case against a Muslim. Mm. Uh, Pakistan is currently ranked 8th on uh, uh, Open Doors 2022 uh, list of the most difficult countries for a Christian to live in and it has the second highest number of Christians killed for their faith behind Nigeria. Mm. And Nigeria, we could literally give a story about Nigeria every single day. I have a story about Nigeria every single day that comes across my desk that is about uh, Christians being killed in yeah. Nigeria. It's th- These things are not commonly reported in the news because nobody cares about Africa. Mm. So interesting here that... You know, these, as he points out, these are not petty crimes. In and the other thing that we need to understand is that these laws. We look at these laws and think, oh, these these are terrible laws. You know, aren't we so glad that we live in civilized Western society where we don't have laws like that? You know who made these laws? Who the British? 
Oh, yeah. The British That's made right. these laws because they're like, oh, the Christians and the Muslims are fighting each other, so let's make it illegal for them to say bad things about each other and make it punishable by death. Mm. And, of course, ever since then, those laws have been horribly abused. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens when you try and unite church and state, religion and politics together. It is never a good mix. Everybody should have the freedom to live by the dictates of their conscience, mm-hmm. which involves freedom of religion and freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you don't have these kinds of cases taking place in the United States or haven't been historically because of freedom. Now, Indonesia has just added to its blasphemy law. Oh. Now, of course, the blasphemy law in Indonesia, like in Pakistan, applies to all religions, but it's only ever used by Islam. Uh, Indonesia is 86% Muslim. That's 270 million Muslims. That is the largest Islamic country on earth. About 10% of Indonesians are Christians. And the law basically is around that no defaming of Religion or no noise near a place of worship is now counted as being blasphemy in Indonesia. Uh, If upheld, it comes with a maximum prison sentence of five years for anyone hostile to those belonging to one of the six state-recognized religions. There's a problem right there because the state shouldn't be recognizing religions. It should be recognizing people's freedom of religion. Mm. So the original the original law was passed in 1965, and more than 150 people from religious minorities have been convicted of blasphemy since 1965. So this was one that kind of copied the British law, mm. uh, but was instigated by uh, is an, an Islamic government. Now the difference here, of course, is that the penalties, while severe, are much less. So on one hand, we can praise God that we live in a free country. On the other hand, we need to pray for those who do not live in a free country and we need to pray that we work and get as much done as we can while our freedom lasts. won't last forever. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have an interview coming up soon, but before we get into it, we will have another question for the quiz, which is, which book records Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd? 0491 is the number to call. You'll go into the draw to win our KJV Bible if you answer that correctly. But again, that question was, which book records Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd? 0491 is the number to call or text. Fantastic. Well, joining us in the studio this morning is Kelvin Langman. Kelvin, it's been ages since we've had you it here. Yeah, but it's good to be back. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I now, for it. those of you who uh, who might have forgotten who Kelvin is in the uh, while that it's been here, Kelvin is our local expert on all things weird, wonderful, obscure, and wacky in the Bible. And I'm told that this morning's material is all about bells and smells. It is. A little bit from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New. A little bit of good smelling stuff and a little bit of bad smelling stuff. Ooh. All right. Mm. This is a breakfast show. You do remember that, right? It is a breakfast show, and I will warn people, yes, you might want to avert your hearing if this offends you. If you are about to take the mouthful of something, then... All right, let's let's launch into it. Kelvin, where are we starting? Um, it's all about perfume. Oh, okay. Like, That's a good place. We want to smell good. Yes. We like, as humans, we like to smell good. So mm-hmm. we put smell, like pleasant smelling perfume on. Yes. What perfume does God wear, though? I'll leave that question with you. Okay. Okay, growing up... I feel like this is a quiz question. I I can just see Shell turning this into a quiz question. (laughs) 
Um, growing up, have you got anyone in mind, like when you hug your auntie or your mum, have you got a smell that comes to mind? Hmm. My auntie used to work for David Jones, uh-huh. and she would have some of the most glorious, when you give her a hug, you haven't seen her, you catch up at a family do, she would smell divine. Like she loved, you know, smelling good and looking good. But what about you guys? Have you got any favourite perfumes? My mum well, has this smell of a moisturiser that she's been using since I was a child. Like it's her go-to. And yeah, I just it's like, that's my mum. Yep. I was hanging out with her yesterday. I gave her a hug, and I was like, no, that's mum. So you'll probably find any time in the future, as soon as you smell that, you'll be reminded of your mum. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. you, Lyle? I don't know that I do. So I grew up with in a single-parent home with a dad, mm-hmm. and we just kind of smelt like men. <laughs> and that's okay. We lived in the bush. You smelt like men, it, we, a.k.a. That's disgusting. Right. Yes. Like, what a dick. <laughs> like, we worked so hard. Much <laughs> we worked hard. Living in the country. But I do, remember, I do remember when I became a teenager and suddenly became conscious of the fact that there were young ladies around the place <laughs> uh, wanting to smell a little bit better. Yes, it's important to uh, direct yourself in that area. Yes. Yep. So anyway, look up Exodus chapter 30. Verse 37 and verse 38. All right, so we're heading to the Old Testament. Yep. Exodus chapter 30, why is my Bible upside down? Chapter 30, verse 37 and 38. Go for it, Lawson. All right, uh, but as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourself according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall uh, be cut off from his people. So there you go. A, here's a special. The whole chapter is devoted on the altar of incense. So mm. it gives you some recipes to make um, these incense potions. Yes. Um, it also gives you some recipes to make the anointing oil that mm. the Levites used. Um, but it was very important. These were set aside and sanctified and holy. So you couldn't use them for common use. So that's why it says there, don't you know, don't use it. And, don't 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 and don't you it. make it. Yeah, but it's it's. It's interesting that God's got a certain perfume that he wants to use and he wants nobody else to use. It is sacred. But when you read the couple of verses before, it talks about a confection of the art of the apothecary. So it's sweet spices, stacti, onyxia, galbium, and um, frankincense. And I'd, I haven't smelt the others, but I have smelt frankincense. And frankincense smells, smells gorgeous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very quite nice. a Quite a valuable um, odor back in its day. Mm. Mm. And it's important for its function, but if you imagine a little child when they get into mum and dad's or mum's stash of perfume, if you start splashing perfume everywhere, mum's not going to be terribly happy. And it's it- interesting how that God is interested in all different kinds of creativity and beauty. Yes. Because, you know, the world is very, very um, extravagant. The, the beauty of nature is incredibly extravagant, but it's not just what God has created to look at. He's created things for all of our senses. Mm. Including smell. Yes. Yeah, and it's crazy to think, like, God is concerned about smells. And this particular smell here, of course, was a great smell because it was a smell that was to symbol the righteousness of Christ, Mm. covering the stench of our sin because, you know, blood would be sprinkled in the sanctuary. That would smell bad. That that blood was there as a symbol of sin, uh, the sins that we had committed, and it was to remind us that sin stinks in the nose of God. And then you had this incense that would cover that stench, which symbolizes the righteousness of Christ covering the stench of our sin. Mm. I agree, yep. Um, spot on. And that was the whole purpose of the perfume was to overcome and be a sweet-smelling savor unto God because what, when our sins are piled up in the sanctuary, there's a stench that rises up. Yeah, oh. to neutralize the that smell. Of sin. Mm. Yeah, yes. Mm. 
Which brings me to Luke chapter 14, verse 34 and verse 35. We were told we're going to have a bit of Old Testament, a bit of new. So here we go over the new. So, so here's the new. Well, what's the chapter and verse? It's Luke chapter 14 mm-hmm. and verse 34 and verse 35. Mm-hmm. So we've had the good smelling stuff. Now I'm going to take you somewhere else that's not so smelling. Just warning anyone that's having breakfast. <laughs> oh, I know this. All right, passage. Lawson, you're going to have to go with this one because I went to Mark. All right, that's not, sold. not working for me. Luke. Uh, Luke 34. 14, 34, 35. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Who has... Ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, stop and think about this. Yep. Mm. There's, a, there's a lesson here that Jesus wants us to cogitate yes, on. Yes, Yep. So mm. the salt is the thing that hits me first, but then you read on, it talks about the dung hill. I always wondered, why does God allow? Why did, what does God document? Why does he historicize, if I can use that word in that context, um, dung in the Bible? So I started looking. Okay. This is not just... Animal manure. The word here for dunghill is specific to a type of animal, mm, a two-legged upright human, human animal. Uh, what, what is the thing? Is a two-legged <laughs> uh, bipod or what was the thing? Is a featherless two-legged? Hey, uh, you, you got me lost. Uh, you, like, you work on that one and uh, come back to us. I think it was like how Aristotle like uh, classified humans as like a two-legged, like uh, featherless, wingless. Bypass. Anyways, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. us, us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's particularly yep. offensive. It is. But why mm. is it precedented? Why is it preceded by salt? What is the purpose of salt mm. when it comes to dung? Oh, have you ever con- considered that? No, never. never. I've never <laughs> seen any kind of relationship between the two whatsoever at all. Okay, maybe it's just me, me, and that's a bit weird. But I, I started digging. I started looking. Well, this is this is why you are here. Yep, yep, Kelvin. yep. So salt in biblical times was used for preserving. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And even today, like we use That's right. we salt olives, you know, to make them yes. last longer. Um, it was used to add flavour mm-hmm. to something, but it was also used as a salary. It was pay. Yes, it was money. That's yep. right. Um, but salt was also used to cure illness. Now, I only had my wisdom teeth out, well, probably eight or ten years ago, but I can remember... Like when you had this open wound and the dentist says to you, go home, put salt in water and gargle this. Saline solution. Saline solution, yep. So it prevents infection, but it can also cure mild infections as well. And my mum and dad always said, you know, if you've got an abrasion, go jump in the ocean. Like, But that's the last thing you want to do because it stings and uh-huh. it hurts. Uh-huh. So salt, um, in this verse here, it says, salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savour... Wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land. Why would it be fit for the land? Well, in biblical times, they used to get their salt from two different locations. One was around the Dead Sea. Still do. And Yep, and that's in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 9. So the, the salt that you get from the Dead Sea is very high in... Um, it's, it's got sodium chloride in it, but it's also got magnesium sulfate. It's got um, potassium chloride. And it's also got a calcium uh, mineral in it as well. So it's actually quite fertile. There's some rather cool chemicals. Yep. So if you were in an area that you, you could had... do with do things with some of those chemicals. You can. 
and magnesium is fantastic for growing plants. Yes. Um, but if you're in an area where you've got impoverished soil, you can sprinkle that salt and it actually adds mineral content to the soil, making it more fertile. Are you serious? This is probably the only application of putting salt on land I've ever heard that's a good thing. Well, Usually you do the opposite of that and yeah, kill Yeah, that's everything. right. It just kills everything. Yep. Let's have a look at Judges chapter 9, verse 45. Here's right, an opposite right. application. We are going to learn something. Oh, man. I'm, I, my interest is peaked. They used yeah. to do this in biblical times yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to make sure that nothing grew. Okay, Judges, what's the chapter? Ja- Judges chapter 9, verse uh-huh. 45. But it wasn't just to stop things growing. I can't remember where it is. There's a verse in the Bible that says, you cannot bless that which God has cursed, and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. So let's have a look at Judges chapter 9 and verse 45. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and killed the people that were therein and beat down the city and sowed it with salt. He sowed it with salt. So he sounds like a farmer. He's he's sowing. Yes, he's sprinkling stuff like you would sprinkle seed. seed. Yes. This is not going to grow. So he uses, the, in, the, in the Bible it talks about, um, I think it's 2 Samuel 8 and 1 Chronicles, it talks about salt from the valley of salt. Mm-hmm. So this was a salt that is actually very high in sodium chloride. So it's a dehydrating, it's a desiccating salt. Um, but this salt, when you put it on, on land, it actually renders it infertile. Mm, mm. So the Bible does talk about two different types of salt, a mm. salt to improve things or a salt to make things worse. And this is what I was saying. You cannot bless that which God has cursed and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. If God has said something is bad, doesn't matter how you try to improve it, it's never going to improve. So here's Abimelech. Uh, like going around, you know, like he a wants farmer. to turn this place into a desert. Oh, yeah, and like it, never exist ever ever yeah. again. And it says that even like the the land will remain barren eternally. But this is one of the aspects of salt. Salt is a preserving characteristic. So if it if it is if it renders it unfit, it remains unfit. Mm. You see, but if you improve the flavor, the flavor remains flavorsome. And in the Bible, it says, um, "What good is it?" It was in Luke, wasn't it? What good is salt if it loses its savour? So salt always has an influence. But the the only time salt is no good is when we don't use it. Mm. And this is the gospel message. It is the gospel message. It is the gospel message. Yes. Yep. Because salt is no good while it is still in the salt shaker. Yep, Mm. absolutely. And the Bible says that we are like salt, Mm. and if we are still in the salt shaker, we're not actually doing anything any good. That's right. But what's interesting is, 2,000 years ago, you didn't have flushing toilets or what we have today. So you went down the back corner of your property and there was a mound of dirt that you would actually utilise for your uh, bowel functions. Mm -hmm. But you would grab a handful of salt and put that on top of your waste product, if I can use that word tastefully. Yep. Um, And this waste product was actually rendered... um, the, The odour would actually be removed by the action of the salt, but it was a desiccant, so it dried it out. So that stopped it smelling. But also And it stopped, it stopped the spread of disease as well. I was just gonna say See it's see in Tasmania we used to use human pine shavings. Yeah, and and that's that <laughs> sawdust is awesome for that sort of thing too. Yep. So how about that? Like all that's this absolutely fascinating. I had no idea because it would it would, you know, in in an environment where, you know, you did not have flushing toilets, the possibility of disease spreading is pretty massive, but this is actually a really efficient system. Yep, and everyone living near the Dead Sea, everyone had handfuls of salt. Yes, it's no wonder that salt became such an important currency because you used it for so. Many. I didn't never realize you would need to you, you would need to have a fair bit of, a fair bit of salt on hand 
for all the different uses that it was put to. Yeah, you don't take the dunny roll out to the to the back <laughs> shed. You take a handful of salt. Awesome. Wild. And, and the dunny roll as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably that yeah, we'd want, we, I don't want to get rid of all the modern conveniences, but th- this certainly gives you a different aspect on ancient culture, I feel. Yeah, Absolutely. Wow, interesting. That's, oh, that's fascinating, Kelvin. Thank you so much for coming uh, in this morning and talking about salt. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.